This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. In northern Russia, well inside the Arctic Circle, is the site of the deepest hole on Earth. And lurking at the bottom of this hole are things that are better off undisturbed. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more like it, follow Haunted Places Urban Legends free and exclusively on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions of body horror, insect horror, and confined spaces. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. There's a place so cold, so remote, that even the animals avoid it. A 40-day polar night. During the day, the temperature can climb to a balmy 5 degrees Fahrenheit. You would much rather be inside, but you've been summoned to the dig site. Something is wrong. You have drilled more than 10 miles into the Earth's crust now, farther than any human ever has. But it should have been miles more before the drill overheated on its way toward the core. There's been a rumbling from the hole for months now. Some theorized it was concealed magma, but you worried it was a sign of an imminent equipment failure. And now, it seems you are correct. You rush to the lip of the borehole, and your heart sinks. It sounds as if the whole thing is coming apart. Something is pulling the drill down, rattling with a rhythm that sounds almost animate. Yes, the more you listen, the more certain you become. Something is climbing toward you. There's no time to run. A winged shape of heat and flame rises from the ground, roaring and screeching. The beat of its wings sends you flying backwards. You're weightless for a moment, suspended. But then, red-hot pain scorches through you. The demon sinks its great talons into you, lifting you off of the earth. The final thought that passes through your brain is that you never should have disturbed it.
Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Today's episode is part of our Urban Legends series. Every Tuesday, we explore those chilling stories you hear secondhand, the kind that seem made up but contain a kernel of truth. Urban Legends is only on Spotify, so keep listening here to never miss an episode. But don't forget to come back each Thursday for a classic episode of Haunted Places, covering yet another ghost-filled locale. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Today, we explore a legend that is science fact turned science fiction turned cosmic horror. The Arctic Circle is the site of the deepest hole on Earth, and our urban legend begins at its bottom, in a place so hot, it might as well be hell. It is said that sometime in the mid-1980s, a group of Soviet scientists dug deeper than they should. Somewhere in northern Siberia, their drill came to a sudden but expected stop. They took a moment to celebrate their new depth record, then lowered their monitoring equipment into the hole, prepared to discover another world. They were answered by heat and screams, having reached the seventh circle of hell. It's no wonder that the story of the well to hell resonated with Christian evangelicals. It represents a scientific confirmation of a theological concept. And while urban legends like this have been a major source of disagreement, even in Christian circles, it's hard to deny the appeal of a confirmable scientific truth. That there is a strange sound down there. Dimitri found comfort in the sterile environment of a laboratory. He liked the smell of disinfectant and the beige lighting. It was reliable, familiar. Unlike fieldwork, fieldwork was messy and loud. The workers and engineers were crass and often ignorant, rarely understanding the value of what they were doing. But he did what he must to keep the wheels of knowledge turning, regardless of his own discomfort. That summer, a 12-year-old boy and 20 others contracted anthrax on the Yamal Peninsula. The culprit had been a reindeer that died nearly 100 years ago due to the disease. The corpse had been preserved in the Siberian permafrost, but as climate change took its toll, the record-high heat wave of the summer of 2016 exposed the carcass, contaminating both the soil and the groundwater. Other scientists had found smallpox-ravaged corpses in the thawed soil, along with several sets of organic remains dating back to the Stone Age. Dimitri's blood ran cold, but he thought of the risks. He had pitched his plan as a preventative measure, excavate the area for any signs of pathogens, and then build a well on top, knowing this time that the water supply was clean and safe. Privately, he had hoped to make several discoveries that could get him recognized. Climate change work was hard to fund. He needed grants or a private benefactor to continue fighting the good fight. The frozen landscape of Siberia stretched before him as he sat in a flimsy tent next to a portable heater. 
A small monitor showed him the shadowy outlines of the workers as they buzzed around the hole. It hadn't been as simple as digging into the bottom of the permafrost, taking some samples with a robot, and pulling it back up. No, they were looking for organic material, and it actually turned out to be less expensive to build an underground chamber large enough to run a portable MRI, rather than rent or develop some kind of remote equipment that could be lowered into a smaller shaft. He watched as ice crystals formed around the edges of the screen. The picture went blurry. One of the men on his team, Yevgeny, told him not to panic. The temperature sometimes froze the wiring. If he wanted to be sure of what he saw, he would have to head down himself. Dmitri's lips hardened into a thin line. He could almost hear the laugh in Yevgeny's voice. The man didn't believe that Dmitri would do it, but Dmitri would do anything to keep this mission going. The fate of the world was in his capable hands. Dmitri slid off his chair and left the comfort of the portable heaters. He peered down into the hole. It was wide enough, they had joked, for one man to climb past another after he'd frozen solid. Dmitri peered down until he could see the workers, looking more like ants in the dim spotlight that shone down on the rocks. It was a deep climb, but he could manage it. He was still able to feel the icy cold through his gloves as he grabbed the first rung of the ladder and started to descend. The metal groaned beneath him. One of the men had joked earlier that the ladder had come from better days within the Eastern Bloc. They had all taken a deep breath in, the Eastern European substitute for laughter. Dimitri could feel the age of the ladder as he stepped down from one rung to the next. Pieces bent down too far, giving him the sensation that he was very slowly falling, even when standing still. He took the next step and felt his foot slide. Condensation had crystallized on the metal, making it slick. Dimitri hooked his elbow over the rung, trying to keep himself from plummeting into the chasm. The ladder creaked, metal bowing as he shifted his feet to a more solid purchase. Small white clouds floated between him and the metal, his breath. It was coming too fast now. He needed to calm down. The rock around him started to rumble, shaking the ladder. One of the screws popped off. Dimitri could do nothing but watch as the tiny piece of metal fell away from the wall, dropping far beneath him. His hands shook as he lowered them to the next rung. The rocks continued to move making the ladder sway back and forth. He stayed focused on his actions, planting one foot slowly, then the next. He could do this, even with the tremors passing through his body, making his skull vibrate. A scream sounded from below. Dimitri lost his concentration. His foot slid off the rung entirely and his fingers burned as he held fast, legs flailing. He managed to find the rung again, desperately holding onto the ladder as he tried to catch his breath. He looked back up. The surface was too far away now. He had to see it through, if only to clear the path for medical help to reach the screaming man below him. When he was certain he had the strength to continue, he took the next step. As he continued his descent, the rumblings began to grow. Another scream pierced through the night. Dimitri could see the men now, 
their faces stony and impassive as they manned various pieces of equipment. He was only a hundred or so feet away from them. He could see no evidence of an accident or injury. Puzzled, he forced himself to be methodical in his approach to the bottom. The ice continued to fight him, but he was sure of his footing now. More screams echoed up the rock. Dimitri called down to ask if everyone was all right, but no one answered. No one moved. Finally, Dimitri's legs touched the firm earth. The relief he felt was immense, but he didn't have time to enjoy it. He looked around cautiously, examining the workers' faces and the harsh painter's lights. He asked them what was wrong. Alexei, a younger man of the project, brought Dimitri over to the opposite side of the cavernous space. He asked him to place his ear against the wall. Dimitri obliged. More screams, louder and more clustered together, anguished, as if thousands, millions of people were crying for help that they knew would never come. Dimitri pulled away from the walls, ears ringing. The rock swayed softly around them. He asked the men if they had stumbled on some sort of gas pocket. Strange human-like sounds could come from a variety of places. Alexei shook his head and told him they'd found something much worse. Hell. Coming up, Dimitri tries to find a sensible explanation. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Dimitri stared at Alexei, waiting for him to say this was a joke. He had climbed down almost a mile to look for potential water contaminants, not to work as an extra on a John Carpenter film. Really, the nerve of saying they dug down to hell. Alexei told Dimitri there was no better word for what was waiting for them beneath the ground. Dimitri took a look around the cave. None of the men wanted to contradict Alexei's account. Dimitri realized that every one of them was shaking. Their arms trembled as they worked. Their eyes twitched wildly, like those of a caged animal. Dimitri explained that the screams were strange, but they weren't supernatural. Empty pockets in the rocks could carry sound from bubbling magma or even another part of the world. Either way, they were creating enough movement down here that some noise was inevitable. Alexei told him to listen again. Dimitri obliged, doing his best to hide his confusion. The screams multiplied. Something pounded against the rock from the other side. Then the earth beside him cracked. A large plume of smoke billowed out of the crack. It singed Dimitri's eyebrows and some of his hair. He stepped back and checked to see if anyone else in the crew had noticed. The rest of the crew was turned away from him. He followed their gaze. They were watching the smoke. It had not dissipated. Rather, it hung in midair, 
an inexplicable white cloud. Rather than disappearing against the cold, it was hardening. A shape started to crystallize in front of them into the most grotesque ice sculpture he'd ever seen. A severed head. Its eyes were large and round, almost half the size of its face. The thing had what looked like a mouth, curled upwards in a sardonic smile. An impossibly long, almost serpentine tongue rolled out from the side. Then, impossibly, the shape laughed, the solid ice shimmering and bending like it had become liquid water once again. An ugly, cruel sound. It winked at Dimitri, then plunged to the ground. The head shattered against one of the heaters. Sparks of electricity shot through the air as moisture seeped into the machine. Dimitri yelled at the men to start cutting the power. They weren't fast enough. The heaters and lights started to short-circuit, dying one by one, plunging them into the utter darkness one can only find underground. These men were all experienced miners, but Dimitri could feel a panic slowly growing within them wordlessly moving through the herd with ruthless cruelty. Alexei suggested that they return to the surface, but then they were struck by a strange light. Pulsing, flickering, red. It was coming from the crack. Dimitri couldn't stop himself. He was fascinated. What strange phenomena had brought magma this close to the permafrost? He drew closer to the fissure, but was immediately hit by a pocket of searing hot air again. He yelped and pulled away. One of the drills was hovering in midair. It jerked wildly, its movements only vaguely illuminated in the dark. Before Dimitri had a chance to react, it flew in his direction and embedded itself in his hand, pinning it to the wall. Red-hot pain shot through his body, radiating outward from the horrifying, stigmata-like hole in his hand. He yelled for help, but he could hear the clang of metal tools falling to the ground, the scramble of boots. The men were leaving him behind. Dimitri's screams joined the chorus emanating from the wall. A mangled, slick hand suddenly grabbed his wrist. Dimitri screamed for help again, but the shared sound of boots against metal was already fading away above him. They were listening to him die, slinking away in silence, rather than face the truth Dimitri had wanted to deny. The ground started to fall away in pieces. The entire cavern rumbled violently, punctuated by the small pings of screws dislodging. Dimitri heard screams from above as the workers began to fall. The drill shut off as a large chunk of earth fell away into a sea of magma, revealing a wide open cavern. It was old rock, pitch black, either volcanic or so stained by ash that it would never be clean again. Dimitri couldn't move or breathe, both hypnotized and horrified by the open maw beneath him. Flames and blood everywhere. Strange, many-eyed, broken-winged creatures cackled as they flayed and impaled human forms. The poor soul's wounds seemed to bleed and seal, only to be torn open again by the laughing monsters. And at the center of it all, a mound of tortured bodies 
writhing, like an exposed nest of insects trying to flee the light. Their mouths were impossibly wide, forever screaming over a sadistic atonal symphony. Another badly burned hand closed around his wrist, vice-like. He tried to resist, but it was of no use. His arm was nearly torn off as he was pulled through the gap onto the red-hot rock. His boots burned away, then his skin. But just as it dissolved, it returned, ready to be destroyed again. Coherent thought left him, overridden by one desperate plea through all the pain. He did not belong here. He did not belong here. He did not belong here. Something inside the nest licked its lips, hungry, eternally ravenous. Then it laughed, dryly. An action that let out more heat and rumble than human sound, sending a shockwave of screams and tremors through the mass of flayed bodies that covered it. It did not matter, Dimitri realized, where or how he belonged. He was here, trespassing, and he had no protection, no spirit or angel to interfere in his behalf. If this hellscape so chose, it could keep him, tearing, flaying, laughing at him over and over and over. The burned and mangled hands reached out toward him, beckoning, merciful in comparison with all the heat and pain. At least he would have company. They dragged him in, his body disintegrating to ash as his soul joined the cloud of smoke stretching up into the polar night. Throughout the 1960s, the high-profile wins and losses of the Soviet Union and the United States in the space race kept the world glued to their television screens. But an equally challenging battle was raging to explore the so-called deep frontier. Scientists and engineers from the United States, Germany, and the Soviet Union all hoped to be the first to reach the Mohorovicich discontinuity, also known as the MOHO, the Mohorovicich discontinuity is the geological divide between the Earth's crust and its silicate rock mantle. Minerals and other data collected from this area would be just as valuable as the rocks American astronauts would carry back from the moon. The Moho's position in relation to the surface varies depending on your location. If you drill beneath the deepest parts of the ocean, you can perhaps reach it after as little as three miles of drilling. But the challenges of underwater excavation have prevented anyone from ever achieving it. On land, the depth to the Moho can vary from 10 to 60 miles. In May 1970, a group of Soviet scientists began working on a secret project called SG-3. It was a drilling operation on the Kola Peninsula on the northwestern tip of Russia, less than 10 miles from Norway. On the Kola Peninsula, the Earth's crust was around 22 miles deep. It was here the scientists hoped that they could win the race to the bottom. But the Kola Peninsula is not particularly hospitable either. It is partially inside the Arctic Circle. It has 40 straight days of night, from December to January, with temperatures averaging minus 4 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter. Despite these difficulties, the Soviets began drilling straight down, 
creating a narrow shaft that is known today as the Kola Superdeep Borehole. The excavation continued for over a decade until it crossed 12,000 meters, or just over 39,000 feet down in 1983. The project was paused briefly for both scientific surveys and public relations events. But when it began again, the drill string snapped 16,000 feet below the surface. The team was forced to start again at a depth of 23,000 feet. The progress continued downward, but by 1989, both the collapse of the Soviet Union and unexpectedly hot temperatures in the drill shaft created a work stoppage. The geologists and engineers struggled for three years to try to find a way to push the drill through the 356-degree heat, which was more than double what they'd planned for. But by 1992, the money had dried up and the project shuttered. To this date, the Kola Superdeep Borehole is still the deepest artificial point on Earth, at 40,230 feet below the surface. Despite how secretive the Soviet government was, word of this project did manage to spread to English-language publications. In 1984, Scientific American ran an article about the Kola project and the claims the Russians had made about their discoveries, including strange rock formations, unexpectedly hot temperatures, and pockets of flowing water and gas. The next major Western report of the project was in the August 1989 issue of Science magazine. Shortly after, the Christian Evangelical Trinity Broadcasting Network ran a story called Scientists Discover Hell. Trinity claimed that Russian scientists had reached hell during a scientific drilling operation in Siberia, which is a full continent away from the Kola Peninsula on the other side of Russia. The report claimed that a microphone lowered into the borehole picked up the screams of the damned. The incident was underreported, Trinity said, because it had been suppressed by the Soviet military. A Norwegian school teacher named Og Rendalen saw the report while visiting California and tried to play a prank on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. He created a dummy article, supposedly from a North European newspaper, that said that a fiery demon had also escaped up the shaft, sending the entire scientific team fleeing for their lives. The network added the detail to their story without fact-checking or even confirming the source. Debunking began almost immediately, and it actually came from inside the evangelical community itself. Rich Bueller, a radio host for Christianity Today, gave a full report of both Rendallin's hoax and the factual contradictions of the well-to-hell story in July 1990. But the story persisted getting a new permutation when a radio program called Coast to Coast AM published an audio submission in 2002 from a listener who claimed that his grandfather had obtained a recording of the Well to Hell. While analysis of the clip has shown that it is clearly an audio loop, possibly sampled from a 1970s B-movie called Barren Blood, the legend persists both in tabloids and some fringe Christian media. When the Well to Hell story was reposted by the satirical tabloid Weekly World News in 2008, it relocated the dig site to Alaska, including supposed quotes from then-vice presidential candidates Sarah Palin and Joe Biden. Alaskan governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin immediately downplayed the incident, stating, 
This is nothing to worry about. It's just the devil playing tricks on us. He wants to see our country run out of oil, just like the terrorists. We gotta stand up for ourselves and keep on drilling. Delaware Senator and Vice Presidential Candidate Joe Biden was far more concerned. I've consistently voted against exploration in the Alaskan National Wildlife Reserve, and this is the perfect example why. We don't yet know the long-term environmental effects, let alone biblical ones. While the Kola dig site is now abandoned, you can still visit it. If you pick through the broken concrete and debris, you'll find the borehole itself. Its unassuming nine-inch diameter shaft is now permanently welded shut. There are no authenticated recordings of screams from Kola, but a different, more recent drilling project has an uncanny connection to the story. The German Continental Deep Drilling Program operated from 1990 to 1994 outside the town of Windisch Eschenbach near the Czech border. They drilled over five and a half miles beneath the Earth's surface before having to stop, once again due in part to unexpectedly high temperatures. The site, known as the KTB Borehole, is still a tourist and research destination. In 2014, a Dutch artist named Lotte Given lowered a thermal shield microphone into the KTB Borehole. She was shaken by what she heard. The sound, she told the BBC, made her, quote, feel very small. It was the first time in my life this big ball we live on came to life, and it sounds haunting. Some people thought it did sound like hell. Others thought they could hear the planet breathe. There's something unearthly about Given's audio recording. To some, it sounds like breath or motion or even moans. Something so old, it's ageless. It's easy to doubt the rumor that Satan emerged from a nine-inch wide drill shaft, but there are strange sounds coming from the center of the earth. Let's hope whatever's down there doesn't know how to climb. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. And don't forget to come back on Tuesday for our Urban Legends series, available only on Spotify. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until next time... Don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>